Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. And I'm going to get right into it today. Jesus has risen from the dead. This is really the first time that we see him in his resurrected form. Let's read it, Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, which we would know all the things that happened were, uh, was the Holy Week, is what they're referring to, because they were there for Passover. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But notice this, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Isn't that fascinating? He's there, but they don't even know it. Let's skip to verse 30. It says, now it came to pass as he sat at the table. Why don't you underline that? At the table with them that he took bread. Look at the process. He took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. That's the process. He took the bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And watch what happens when he did that. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Let me pray for you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you. Where would we be without the word? I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. They have something going on, and Lord, you know what's happening. You know what's going on. You know what they need. You know the inspiration they need. You know the healing they need. You know exactly what direction they need to go in, and I'm thankful that, Lord, I don't even have to preach this message. I'm thankful that, Holy Spirit, you are faithful to preach this message, and so I ask what I always ask. Jesus, you do it better than I ever could. So Lord, I'm praying that there be a voice within my voice this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen. I want to talk to you. The title of my message today is called, Come Back to the Table. Come Back to the Table. What I notice in this story is what began on a road ends at a table. And what we have to know about this story is that we've got these two men that are walking back home to their hometown, Emmaus, and they're leaving Jerusalem. Now, we have to get some perspective in our minds. And what I like to do is, of course, I got my degree in film, so I like to get into the scene. I like to feel how they feel. I want to feel what's going on. And so we, we would know that as a Jewish kid growing up, we would all be pumped up about Passover. It would be like the biggest conference we could go to. It, it, it's like 
Coachella. It's, it's, it's for Jewish kids. It's, 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 I mean, this is food. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And now they've, of course, heard about this Jesus. So they're ready. They've already pre-ordered their Passover tickets online. They've got their Passover t-shirts. They got the limited edition hats. And they're, they're, they're going. So they, I can just imagine they're going to Emmaus. They're talking about it. I'm so pumped. Did you hear that he, he healed this guy? He had blindness. Did you hear about the, the, the one where the friends, they ripped off the roof, and they, they, they put their friend right in front of him, and, and his friend was healed. I can't wait to see what this is all about. They're excited. And can you imagine that their dreams would have come true? They would have come. We would know the Holy Week. It started with the palm branches and the triumphant entry, and everyone's going, and all the haters are saying, be quiet, be quiet. And Jesus is saying, hey, the rocks are going to worship if they want to in my presence. Everyone's like, oh, sit down. You know, I mean, everyone's going crazy. Pharisees are mad. And they're just, I can imagine these two guys. And again, this is just me looking into the scripture. They're so excited. Then, oddly enough, we know that, that Holy Week takes a turn. And then... All of a sudden, the one that they're praising, the one that they're waving palm branches at, all of a sudden is betrayed. Now he's on trial. The headlines, they get a little thing, a little, hey, did you hear? And they're like, what? Well, hold on, wait. He, he's on public trial now? Well, I, I thought everybody loved him. What's going on? All of a sudden now, the mob has turned against them, against Jesus, and, 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 and now uh, publicly they say, hey, do you want Jesus to be imprisoned or do you want Barabbas who's basically a serial killer and the whole mob's like give us Dahmer give us give us the serial killer and can you imagine being in that situation you're so excited and you're just trying to figure it out like what's going on and now this Jesus who you were so excited about now is being publicly flogged you're you're seeing Blood in the streets, it's his blood. You're, you're, you're like, what? I thought this was the one who was, who was supposed to heal people and he has all power. And, and many of the disciples may even thought he was going to take over the government. And he was going to, they, they thought that it was just he was going to reign and rule. And now these guys are like, what's going on? And then we, he, we would know that Jesus walked through the Via de la Rosa, which is the main business district uh, in that time. And they would see him walking down. It would be like walking down uh, Elm Street in uh, Cincinnati. And, you're, and so he's carrying the cross and, and he's falling over and someone's carrying in the cross for him and he goes up and they would see him die they would see him say it is finished and they would see his body slumped over they would see him take him away and put him into that tomb and here is where we find these two guys they're on this road and you know what they're disappointed like so this is what God's all about (laughs) This is what this whole Jesus thing's all about. I thought it was going to be something exciting. I, th- I thought it was going to be like miracles and healing. I... They're disappointed. In fact, that word Emmaus means the obscure place, the despised place. Isn't this crazy? And so these guys, they're talking about what happened, you know? And, and I think it's interesting 
that all of a sudden, in the middle of their disappointment, Jesus shows up. Which again, is strange to me because if I'm Jesus, I've literally been in hell for a couple days, tearing stuff up, stealing the keys to death, hell, and the grave. I ascend. I'm in my resurrected body. If I'm Jesus, guess what I'm doing? I'm throwing a party for me. Like, y'all, I'm back. Y'all want to touch the keys? I got the keys. Touch them. They're real. I did that. I'm amazing. I'm incredible. By the way, he's due that kind of glory, right? Right? That's what I would do. Think about the Son of God. He could have done anything after he was resurrected. But what does he do? He meets these two guys on a road of disappointment. Isn't that interesting? Jesus, the first thing he's like, I'm going to get to these guys. I'm going to get to them, and I'm going to talk to them in their disappointed place. They were on a road. And it started on a road of disappointment, but it ended at a table. But Jesus talks to them in their disappointed place. And what I know about Jesus is that he comes to us normally when we're on our road of disappointment. And I'm smart enough to know that people that have walked in here, you have faced different roads of disappointment. Some of you, you this past year, you faced the road of divorce. You've faced the road of depression, anxiety. You've faced the road of loss. You've faced the road of saying, I thought it was going to be this way, and it's totally different than what I thought. I thought, Pastor, I'm hearing all these miracles. I'm seeing what God's doing in other people's life. I thought that when I started following Jesus, it was going to be whipped cream slides into Sundays. But all of a sudden, I start following Jesus, and my family's going crazy. Things are going nuts. It's almost like there's a bullseye on my back the moment I start following Jesus. And so he comes to him. And I think it's interesting that they say, hey, did not our hearts burn within us when he was reading scriptures to us? So on that road, think about this. I want you to think about this. Jesus, his presence is there, right? And we would know this is a resurrected Jesus. We would remember the mountain of transfiguration. His glory can't even be contained. So his presence is there. So we would know that Jesus' presence can be right next to you and you not even know it. He can, Jesus himself, the word made flesh, would be opening the word. And they wouldn't even know it was the word. He's reading scriptures. And so what happens to us is we come to church and we're in our own tunnel. And Jesus is right here. We, I just, we just opened the scripture. We just opened it up. And what I know is, is that some of you are so focused on your disappointment, you don't even recognize he's right next to you. That the answer you're looking for is right there. That, that the scripture you need is right there. But your eyes aren't open. So, so we would know that Jesus, I'm telling you, 
I'm speaking this over you, is closer than you even understand, if not in the same exact room right next to you. And so these men, that's what happens, right? That's why I love that song, which uh, Pastor Kyle's wife, Jess, sang so beautifully. Didn't she love that? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, right? And the things of earth will grow strangely. In the light of his glory and grace. Right? When you turn your eyes away from what's going on, away from the disappointment, away from I thought it was supposed to be that way, it wasn't supposed to be this way, you turn your eyes away from that and you turn your eyes, there he is. There he is. You're so focused on it should have, it should have. And what I've learned in my life is should haves and could haves don't change anything. Well, should have, should have. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. But this is what it is. This is how it went down. It is what it is. And so it's interesting to me that Jesus, he's visiting these men in their disappointed place. And they didn't recognize Jesus by his voice. They didn't recognize Jesus by his presence. They didn't recognize Jesus by any of those things. Notice they recognize him when they sat down at the table. He took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. And the Bible says their eyes were opened. And we have to pay attention to patterns and processes that God uses in Scripture. Jesus is always sitting at tables, and he's blessing, breaking, and giving. And eyes are opened. Blesses, breaks, Gives, eyes open. This is the process he took these disappointed men through. He got them to the table first. He said, get to the table. If I can get you to the table, I can get you in my presence, and I can bless you, I can break you, I can give you, and you'll realize what's actually happening and going on. And so what I want you to see is that when Jesus would describe how his kingdom is, he would use stories. He would tell us stories. These are fake stories. But he helps us understand what his kingdom is like. And Jesus said, hey, if you want to know what my kingdom's like, it's like this. It's like a master setting a table. And it's a banquet. And it has such good food on it. I mean, there's, there's Chick-fil-A, God's chicken. There's, there's, there's what? But there's also Cane's, which is kind of like worldly, right? We know that. It's worldly. It's not God's chicken. It's worldly, but it's so good. And sometimes the world tastes good. You know what I'm saying? But you always got to come back to Chick-fil-A. All right. That's a prophetic word. (laughs) Come on. Come back. There's cane sauce, it's flowing, you know, and he's got it set. It, 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 I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It, it's unbelievable. It, it is exactly what any person, any need you could ever have, anything you could ever want. He said the master set this table, and he sent out the invitations. And what happens is he sends out the invitations because he wants people to experience all this greatness. And what he tells us in this story explaining God's kingdom, is he says that people don't have time for this, for this meal. 
I don't got time for that. I got this, this happened, that happened. Uh, they have all these reasons why. And it's normally connected to the disappointing things in life right? It's normally connected to, oh, I can't do that because I'm going through this thing right now. Once I get through that, then I might come to the table. And so what happens is the master tells the servants, here's what I want you to do. Rip up those invites, and I want you to go out to the highways and the byways, is what he says. And he says, I want you to find anybody, and I want you to bring them to this table. Just compel them to get to my table, you thought it was a church service. Oh, this is a church service. It's, it's, it's a table. And there's food here. This message is food. And, and there are certain things that you need. You don't always need bread. Sometimes you need a little meat. Right? Some, some, sometimes you need something else. But here's what's so amazing about the table. Is that God always has something for you at this table. And Jesus brings these guys to this table, and he blesses them, breaks, and gives. And that's when the aha moment came in their life. And so God reveals himself at tables. Many of you, you came to know who Jesus was in a service like this. You came in one way, you came to the table, you, you, you understood and, and, and heard about how Pastor Kyle brilliantly said the scripture that Jesus, he despised, right? He, he, he became sin. He, he died for you. Something came alive in you and you realized, oh my gosh, I'm a sinner. I don't, make, I don't just make mistakes. I, I do things I know I shouldn't do. And, and, and that's what put him up on that cross. And you understand it. I put him on that cross and tears start streaming down your face and you just realize, God, I need your forgiveness. And something happened in the service where God blessed you with his word and then you were broken by his word and then he gave you his son. He gave you salvation and all of a sudden you realize, I'm a new creation. God's got bigger plans in my life. It's what he does to us, doesn't he? I just remember, I remember being a nine-year-old kid, being at a Billy Graham crusade, didn't even know what it was, but God was inviting me to the table and a little nine-year-old kid trembling, couldn't even move. I'm walking down to the altar like, what's going on? What's happening? The Holy Spirit was breaking me down. I didn't know I was supposed to be a pastor. I never wanted to be a pastor, but God knew I got to get a hold of this nine-year-old kid. I got to get him to the table. Get to the table. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to break you, and I'm going to give you. And this is what God does for you. He's brought you to this table today, and Jesus has come to bless you, break you, and give you and he gives you a bunch of things. Maybe he's going to give you a new lease on life today. Maybe he's going to give you healing. Maybe he's going to give you understanding. Maybe he's going to give you just, just the endurance to endure the season that you're going through. I don't know what he's going to give you, but I know that he's faithful to bless, break, and give. And that is a promise today. And so, so there's a moment where he opens eyes. This is how he does it. And then they realize, didn't they? Oh my gosh, that was who was on the road with us. You start to realize that in your road of disappointment, he was right there. Isn't that always so true? You're in the middle of the worst hell of your life. And then a year later, you look back when God opens your eyes at the table and you're like, he was there every, 
I, I thought I was alone. I thought that's what that was. That's what God was trying to do. That's why God sent that friend. That's why God sent that text message. That's why God didn't have, that, that's why God closed that door. That's why God opened that door. That's why God had that person walk out of my life. That's why God had that person enter my life. That's why he was there the whole time. But notice, revelation happens at the table. It happens at the table. And this is how he works. He blesses us, breaks us, gives us. That's what he does. And in Mark 6, we would be reminded of how Jesus does it. He does it again. Here he is. He's in a situation. There's all these people. They need things. They're disappointed. They're hungry. How many of y'all know you don't want to mess with hungry, 5,000 hungry men, Right? I already know, you turn demonic the moment you walk into your cars. You're all holy, you're all spiritual, raising up your hands. But once you get in that car, get out in traffic a little bit, you're demonic. A demon spirit comes over you. And when you're hungry, a demon spirit comes over you as well, right? And, and so here he is. All these people are mad. They're hungry because it's 5,000 men, but it's also their wives and kids. So everyone's like, eh, eh, eh. And, and so... Uh, so Jesus is there, and, and he gets this little kid's lunchbox, right? And he says, give me your lunchbox, little kid. And he opens it up. And think about this, because, again, I put myself in the scene. If I'm a dude in there, I'm like, what's he doing with this little kid's? <laughs> Why don't you ask one of the men? We have the man meal here, right? This, this, is, this, is, this is the Campbell's chunky soup. This ain't, this ain't no... You need some man meal, not, not the kid. Why are you going to the kid? What does the kid have? What do you see in the kid that you don't see in the man? And that's why I love Seven Hills so much. That's why I love this great church so much. You pour so much into the next generation, into children, and you see the potential in young people and just say, yeah, we're, we're going to minister to adults. We're going to do all that, but we're not going to overlook the kid, right? The world doesn't overlook the kids. The world's all after our kids, amen? They're, they want our kids. The world, hey, bring me your children. We want your children. And sometimes what happens is, is we're just like so focused. We as adults, like, what about us? What about us? Hold up. Yeah, God's gonna take care of us. We just need to come to the table. He's gonna take care of us. We gotta make sure that our children, God's pouring into them, and we're telling them, hey, you're not just a kid in a room somewhere. You're not just a young person on a Wednesday night that have your little thing. No, there's great potential in you. God can use you. Jesus himself is calling you. You're not just a little kid. You're a son of the most high God, and God's going to use you in a mighty way. And he chose the kid. Jesus like, hey, don't overlook these kids. And so he takes the kid's lunch, and notice, what does he do? He takes it, right? It'd be like, hey, y'all hungry? Forget this love. I got it right here. God bless it. Oh, we're so blessed. Thank you. All of you in this room would be like, what would you say? You would say, that's not enough, right? But Jesus blesses what's not enough, which is a lesson for you. You're running around and you wrote a disappointment like, God, you know, I didn't, I needed the finances and you didn't, it wasn't enough. And, you know, and, you know, I thought that this marriage was going to pull me through. I thought the marriage was going to be my answer to loneliness and it's not enough. That hit somebody. And, you know, uh, it's, 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 you know, think about it. That you were laying in bed a decade ago. Oh, Lord, send me a woman. I need a woman. Right? You were laying in bed. Oh, Lord, give me a man. I just need a man. Please. I don't know why you're so desperate, but that's you. 
Uh, right? Now you're 20 years in, you're staring at them, they're snoring, you're like. Take him, Lord. He's saved, he's gonna go to heaven, he'll be fine. Lord, he'll be with you. Just take him. Listen to me. The moment he went up on that cross and said, it is finished, he didn't owe you one other blessing. Do you hear what I'm saying? Whatever he does is whipped cream. Whatever he does for you. So don't get it twisted. You need to learn to say, you know what? You know what? It's not much of a paycheck, but you know what? I got a job. Lord, thank you. I remember when I was praying, I needed a job. I needed this. I needed that. God, you know what? We're going through a dry spell. But I remember when it was just this little old relationship, and, and God, you've brought us through the storm, and maybe your marriage and relationship has been through a lot of things, but you know what? This is what's left of it, but you know what, God? We're just thankful for what's left of it. I'm thankful, Lord. I'm thankful that I have a wife. I'm thankful that I have a husband. I'm thankful that I have a family. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. Because when you learn to be thankful for the not enough is when God starts to multiply. The very thing you were yelling at God about yesterday, you got it. So just be thankful. It's, it's all I pray for. It's just, you know, I, as, as a pastor, I wake up every single, and I told people this, I wake up every single morning and I, and I remind myself, hey, you know what? God doesn't have to let you do this. You know what I'm saying? God, God doesn't have to let you. I'm, I'm telling you, we've got to learn to start being thankful for what we do have and stop being so focused on what we don't have. And so, so he takes it. He blesses it. You're blessed. You don't realize you're blessed, but you're so blessed. It's insane. And then when we're thankful for what is not enough is when he breaks it, and the miracle starts flowing. And notice that the blessing was in the breaking. The blessing is in the breaking. That which refuses to be broken will not receive the blessing. God allows you to go through breaking, not to destroy you, but to bless you. The breaking is what brings the blessing. I always put it like this. Listen, the number one thing you want in your life is to be a a powerful person. You want a life of power and purpose. That's what you really want. You think what you want is that you have enough money to be sipping Mai Tais on Maui's beaches, right? You think, Jesus is going to bless me. And and immediately, we think of worldly things, the house, the cars, the places we want to go, all of those things. And we think that that's blessing, right? Don't we? We, we think, oh, once I have this, once I have this paycheck, once I have this, once the business gets here as a pastor, once the church reaches this many thousand, then, then it's going to be really, really great. When you get to heaven, can I just help you out? There's going to be God, the Father, and he's going to be amazing. He's going to be chilling out. Jesus is going to be there sitting right next to him. It's my dad. I'm a son right? You know who's probably going to be right there next to Jesus? You know what you're thinking? Me. (laughs) You won't. You know who will be? John the Beloved. 
John the Beloved. And you'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll be in there. You'll be there. You'll be sitting at your little cafeteria chair all the way down the way. And you'll be like, man, look at John. Wow. Probably going to be cutting John's lawn. But you're going to be in heaven. You don't care. I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm, John, I'm John's gardener. Look at me. Right? But think about, think about John the Beloved. He was the only one that didn't run when Jesus was put on trial. He was the one that would have been next to Mary, wiping her tears when her son was being taken off that cross. He was there. And you know what? God so rewarded John that he was boiled in oil. God so rewarded Matthew. You know what? Because him following Jesus, you know what happened with Matthew? He was speared to the ground with 13 spears. Paul, right? Amazing. He got his head chopped off. That's how it ended for him. Think about the things that we whine about. Think about your biggest problem. And Peter was crucified upside down with his wife. We can be, and I'm speaking to myself, we can be such babies, can't we? Like, get what? Why do we think that that's what it's about? Jesus said that we're going to have to carry our own cross. And you're facing something that Jesus faced the cross and death and being publicly murdered. But you know what his, his word says? That he knew the joy set before him. Jesus knew that there was a blessing in what was happening to him. Does that make sense? And there are going to be things that you go through that you have to go through alone. And no one cares. No one cares. You know why? Because they're on their own little road. They're focused on their little thing. So no, no one cares. I mean, they really don't care. And that's okay. It's all good. No one should. There are things that are going to happen in your life that no one's going to understand. Only Jesus does. And that's okay. In fact, I would su submit to you that the greatest power you will ever have in your life is going to be something that privately happened between you and Jesus. <laughs> no one gets it. But God broke you in such a way that no one could even understand the darkness that you faced. But it didn't kill you. It, it broke you. It, oh, man, it bent you, but it didn't break you. It, it, just, it just made you stronger. It gave you an anointing. It gave you an understanding. It gave you patience. It gave you an understanding of miracles. It gave you an understanding of, see, we think that God wants us to be comfortable. God wants us to have faith. So he's always going to put you in positions. You're like, you better do it, God, or I'm done. God's like, I love that. It's like, I don't. I don't love it. I always tell people the prayer that I re regret the most is God, use me. And then God uses you. And you say, God, I feel used. And there's a Pastor Kyle's asked me again to serve. Here's Pastor Marcus. I got to do another Heart the City project. Got to show up early. Got to go. Got to go love on kids and heal. Got to go over there. Got to be there. And I'm always here. But I got a full time job. I got this and that. I got all these things. Blah 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 blah. But it's those very things that will give you power in your life and actually give you an anointing on your life. 
I put it like this. You got to go through it to get to it. So you want what they have, but you don't want to go through what they went through to get what they have. But you know what? God's going to break you and get you to that point because God wants you to have a powerful life, not a comfortable life. So he breaks you. And then he gives you. And so some of you are being broken right now, and I just need to let you know that the Holy Spirit brought me here to tell you, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. He's breaking you, not because he's mad at you. He's breaking you to bless you. I'm telling you. I know you don't see it. I know you're reading all the scriptures. Pastor, I don't feel it. Yeah, those guys weren't feeling it either. (laughs) They weren't feeling it, but you will one day. One day, maybe it's a year from now, maybe it's a decade from now, but you will look back and you will see his hand all over your story because that's what he does. He blesses you, he breaks you, and he gives you. And you could have never spoken to that situation if he hadn't broken you. So he can't give you because you've not been broken. So you don't know what you're talking about. You only know what you're talking about because you've been through the breaking. So it has to happen. I'm sorry, sorry, it has to happen. Just consider yourself lucky that you weren't boiled in oil. We get it so twisted. This is how it needs to look. No, it doesn't have to look that way. You are going to lose friends because you follow Jesus. You are going to get annihilated online by people because you stand for biblical things. You are. What, where do you? Come on. The mob chose Barabbas. He was perfect. So guess what? There's going to be many times where you have to stand on his word. And it's good. It's fine. It's fine. We just have to get to the table. The Holy Spirit woke me up and told me how to close this message. And he says, remind them. And I said, okay, Lord, remind them of what? He said, go to John chapter 6, verse 48. I'm going to read it by this because it will be a good illustration. Come to the table. All that you need is at the table. It's blessing the things that need to break off your life. Because God wants to give you a new dream. He wants to give you a new perspective. He wants to give you hope. He wants to empower you. Here's what he says. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Do you see he's inviting you to his table? (laughs) You were on a road and he invited you to the table. He's always doing this. The Jews therefore quarreled amongst themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Watch how bold Jesus is. He doesn't care what culture says. 
He says, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, he's doubling down, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What a day that will be. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I will live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the, ma the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Amen. See that? He's inviting you to the table. Come to the table. It's all here. It's all here. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.